I shared with those four men, and all the times that I've stood up and preached and finished, I've never gotten a round of applause like they have. <laughs> I've never gotten a standing ovation. I've never gotten any of that. So I'm saying this morning, I'm a little jealous. I'm a little somewhat jealous of those guys that they got all of that. Oh, they're in the back clapping for me. So <laughs> thank you men very much. I appreciate it. Wonderful message and song. I'm going to tell you, if your foot wasn't tapping a little bit along with the beat, even if you were off beat, it doesn't matter. If your hands weren't together, I'm going to tell you, you, were, you, you know, I don't know what's wrong. You know, if that doesn't light your firewood, it must be wet. Huh? Isn't that true? All right, so if you are going to Treehouse today, I see Brother Lance Pollitt's in the back. He will be glad to escort you that direction if you want to find your way there. As they're making that transition, I will ask that you go ahead and open your Bibles up to John, the first chapter, chapter one of the book of the Gospel of John. We're going to be there. You know, we've started this message in the Gospel of John, and so we're just going to allow God to kind of continue to lead us and guide us through this wonderful book. And I believe that the message that God has for us this morning is a message that ties very well with the song that they just sang. You know, they were talking about the changed life as a result of meeting Jesus Christ. You know, one of the great indicators that a person has truly met Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior is there is a change that has happened in their life. Isn't that true? Don't we see that consistently uh, uh, in God's Word as we look at God's Word? We see words like regeneration and we see words like born again or we see that we're a new creation in Christ. And all of those words speak of something very simple. All of those words or phrases indicate that as a result of meeting Jesus Christ, we have been changed inwardly. If you are here this morning and you've trusted Jesus Christ as your life, I would challenge you to go back and to look at your life and ask yourself that question. Over the long haul of my life, since I profess Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, is there any evidence of change in my life? That is a great indicator that we have truly been born again, that we know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, if there is evidence that we have been changed inwardly and it's born in how we live our life in our actions on a daily basis. If you are here this morning, you've not experienced that change in your life, I want to share with you, God desires to offer that to you this morning. And the only way that change can take place in your life is by knowing Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. The change that they were singing about this morning is a miracle of God. It's not anything that we can just simply manufacture in our lives. It can only happen as God reaches down out of heaven and touches our life, gives us a new heart, makes us a new person, changes us into the person that He wants us to be. He makes us a new creation. And that is God's desire for our lives today. He wants us to know Him in a personal way. Did you know it's possible to know facts about God, about Jesus Christ, and still not know Jesus Christ? Did you know that? It is possible to know about Jesus without really knowing Jesus. Do you want to know what the difference is? 
Personally knowing Jesus changes your life. Your desires and the focus of your life changes when you become a follower of Jesus Christ. That's the truth of the matter. That is New Testament Christianity. Do you see what I'm saying? Think about it for a moment. You think about those men that Jesus Christ called to come and follow him. And as a result of spending time with him, each of those men were radically changed. It's impossible to find yourself in the presence of Jesus Christ and not be changed. Isn't that true? If you've truly given your heart and your life to Him. Well, in our passage of Scripture, John, the first chapter, if you found your place there, John is going to introduce us to a couple of men who are going to meet Jesus Christ for the very first time. And as a result of meeting Jesus Christ for the first time, their life is going to be radically changed. Because of this encounter with Christ Jesus, they would never be the same again. There's going to be seen in their life this reckless abandonment to Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, it's going to so permeate their life. As a result of it, they're going to change the entire world. They're going to turn it upside down is what we would say today. Two of those men are found in this passage of Scripture. Their names are Philip and Nathaniel. If you remember two weeks ago, I was very bold on a Sunday morning. If you remember that, I saw the doubt in your eyes when I shared this with you that we were going to cover verses 35 through 51. And I saw what y'all look, yeah, yeah, I could see that. You didn't have to say anything. I could just see the doubt in your eyes when I made that statement. Well, we want to recover the rest of the story this morning. We looked at verses 35 through verse 42, and we were introduced to four of the men that we've been talking about, two of the four, let me say that. We looked at Andrew, and we looked at Peter. Well, this morning, John is going to introduce us to two more, as I shared with you a moment ago, Philip and Nathaniel. We're going to have an opportunity to see what happens in these two men's life when they come into contact with Jesus Christ. In the opening verse of this passage of Scripture, John sets for us the setting of this story. He tells us it takes place in the area of Galilee. Galilee was a region that was to the west of the Sea of Galilee. There's really nothing significant about this area other than the fact that this is the place where Jesus Christ spent his childhood and where Jesus Christ spent his early adult years. He's passing through that region. It's a region that's made up of many fishing villages and small towns. And as he's passing through it, that region, he comes to a town, and there he's going to have this conversation. As a matter of fact, he is going to challenge Philip with just two words. Two words that Jesus challenges us with today. Those words have not changed in our life. I want you to listen to what he says here in verse 43 of this passage of Scripture. Let's begin reading. The next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and he said to him, Philip, follow me. That was Jesus Christ's challenge to Philip. Two simple words in this. An invitation for Philip to come after Jesus Christ. 
Jesus simply looked at Philip and he said these two words. He didn't introduce himself. He didn't say anything significant about who he was other than the fact that he said these two words. He challenged Philip. He said to Philip, Philip, follow me. And I would tell you today, that is a message for every single person here today. That is a message at some point in time you will hear Jesus Christ call to you to follow Him. We may not hear it in an audible voice, but at some point in time, every single person is going to hear those words from Jesus Christ. He will simply challenge us to follow Him. Follow me. Jesus looked into the eyes of Philip and He makes that statement, follow me. I don't know if you've ever noticed how many times we see those two words in Scripture. This is not the only place that Jesus Christ invites someone to come after Him. Now, it would be so easy for us this morning to dismiss these two words and say, well, you know, those two words were just words for Philip. But I would tell you today that Jesus Christ still calls people to follow Him. Jesus still challenges people today, follow me. And for some of you this morning, that is the challenge that Jesus Christ is sending out to you. He's simply wanting to speak into your heart this message, follow me, is what Jesus Christ is saying. Now, if you're like me, when I hear that term, or I hear that phrase, follow me, I ask myself the question, well, exactly what does Jesus Christ mean when He makes this statement about following Him? It simply means to turn away from self and sin and come to Jesus Christ. When Jesus Christ invites people to follow Him, that's what He's asking them to do. He is asking them to abandon everything in life and trust in Him and Him alone. Now, some of you this morning may be saying, Pastor, that's a radical notion. Do you really mean that I have to forsake everything in life in order to follow Jesus Christ? Well, I want you to listen to the words of Jesus Christ and you judge for yourself. In Matthew, the 16th chapter and the 24th verse, these are the words of Jesus Christ. If anyone desires to come after me, actually that phrase, desire to come after me, speaks of wanting salvation. If anyone wants salvation, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Those are the words of Jesus Christ. Those are not my words. When I read Jesus Christ's words, I think to myself, oh my goodness, that is a pretty bold statement. Did Jesus Christ really mean that this morning? Did He really mean that? I mean, He says right here, if anyone desires to come after Me, if anyone seeks salvation, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow Me. When I hear that, there are three words that jump out in this passage of Scripture or that verse of Scripture at me. The first word is this, death. We will have to die to self in order to follow Jesus Christ. The single greatest giant that any of us face in life is the giant of self. It's the truth. 
It is self that keeps us from genuinely following Jesus Christ with all of our heart, with all of our being. Self. Jesus said, if you're going to come after me, you have to deny self. You'll have to lay aside your own desires and wants in life. Now let me ask you something for a moment. Isn't that a pretty radical notion? I think it is. When Jesus Christ says, if you desire salvation, you'll have to put to death self. Paul said it this way, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. It is Christ who lives in me. When we came into the family of God, when we trusted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, and He took up residence in our life, at that moment in time, we died to all of our wants, all of our desires, all of our attitudes, every single thing in life we died to so that Christ can live in and through us. Christ cannot live in and through us as long as we are living for self. It just can't happen. It can't happen. Jesus Christ said, if anyone desires to come after me, he must deny himself. He must die. Second is the word submission. Jesus Christ said, take up your cross and follow me. Now, can I share something with you this morning about this term? I've heard many people in my life say, well, we all have our cross to bear. I've heard Aunt Susie, Aunt so-and-so talk about their hangnail and how that's a cross to bear. Can I just say that's not what it's meaning in this passage of Scripture? That really has nothing to do with this text. It's not some kind of hardship that we deal with in life is our cross to bear. What he's actually speaking about here is submission. In the first century, what would happen is the Roman government would force the person who was going to hang on their cross to publicly carry it to their place of execution. And the reason they did that was to show that the person was now under the submission of the, one, of the authority they once opposed. So when Jesus Christ says, take up your cross, do you know what Jesus is saying? you'll have to willingly bow your knee to me. I will have to be Lord of your life. Now, there's kind of new movement in America today among Christianity that says you can have Jesus without Lord. That is so contradictory to Scripture. If Jesus is Lord, He is Savior. If He is Savior, He is Lord. You cannot make them mutually exclusive of one another. If He is Savior, He must be Lord of your life. Submission. The last thing He said was, follow me. Follow me. Commitment is what He's speaking about. Commitment. Can I remind you of something this morning, Christian? If you're a believer this morning, when we stepped into a relationship with Jesus Christ, it was a lifelong commitment. You recognize that, right? Do you remember the words of Jesus Christ, the man who puts his hand to the plow, doesn't look back? Do you know what he's talking about? He's talking about our relationship with him. 
It's talking about the importance of persevering in our relationship. Running the Christian race effectively. Persevering to the end. A lifelong commitment is what Jesus Christ calls us into. I often explain it like this. I often say that the Christian life is not a sprint, it is a marathon. We all know people who started strong, but some way along the way, they fizzled out. Do you know what I'm saying? He calls us to persevere in our relationship, a lifelong relationship with Him. Commitment. Now I want you to listen to me this morning. Listen carefully, all right? You can't hold on to the world and have Jesus too. Jesus said, you can't serve two masters. You will love the one and you will hate the other. They are diametrically opposed to one another. You see, for some of you here this morning, you need to give your heart and life to Jesus Christ. You know facts about Jesus Christ, but you don't know Christ in a personal way. And Jesus is challenging you to follow Him today. That's His challenge. That's his challenge. So here is the simple application this morning for our lives. For you who don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you need to respond to Jesus' invitation to become a follower of His. In the same way that He challenged Philip in this story, He challenges us today. He says, follow me, is what Jesus Christ says. I want us to go back, excuse me this morning, I'm having some problems with my voice, if you haven't noticed that. It's one of those tough weekends, I was sick some of the week, and so it's kind of coming and going. So y'all just pray for me. Let's go back to this story, and I want us to pick back up where we left off, in this story. Now I want you to notice what happens in this story because what takes place in this story is kind of unexpected. I don't really expect Philip to respond in the manner in which he responds. Jesus Christ has just challenged Philip with these words, follow me, and I expect Philip to drop everything and just take off and start following Jesus Christ. But that's not what happens in this story, does it? No, the first thing that Philip does as soon as he hears these words, he turns around and he goes and he finds his closest friend, Nathaniel, and he says to Nathaniel, Nathaniel, we have found him, we have found him. Come and see this man that is, this man that is written, about, written about in Scripture. Come and see him, is what he says. And I think it is from this part of the story that we learn a very important truth that we all need to apply to our lives. It's a simple truth, but it's one that we need to hear over and over again. True friends invite friends to come to Jesus. Don't you see that here in this story? True friends invite friends to come to Jesus. Isn't that so clear? Look with me in this story and you judge for yourself. Listen to what it says in verse 44. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? So you can see right now that Nathanael was just a little bit skeptical. If you're skeptical then I could tell you, you can relate to Nathaniel. 
There's been times in my life when I was skeptical about things. That's how Nathaniel responds. Can anything really good come out of Nazareth? I mean, Nazareth wasn't a lot. It was just this little bitty old small town. How in the world can the Messiah of Israel come out of Nazareth? But I want you to hear the response of Philip to Nathaniel. Very simple. Philip said to him, come and see. Philip said to him, hey, Nathaniel, come see for yourself. If you don't believe me, just come and look for yourself at who this man is that I'm speaking about. A very simple invitation. True friends invite friends to come to Jesus. Do you see that here? Have you ever noticed that is true throughout Scripture? When people come to Jesus Christ and they meet Jesus Christ and their life is changed as a result of that, they go back to their neighbors, they go back to their friends, they go back to their acquaintances, they go back to their family, and they say, come and see. I want you to meet this man that I met that has changed my life. Think about it for a moment. What about the woman at the well? Great discussion that's happening between Jesus and this woman. This woman goes back to her town and she announces to the town people there, come and see this man who told me everything that I ever did in life. And many became believers as a result of her testimony. Do you see that? What about the story of the demoniac in Gennesaret? Do you remember that story? Jesus goes to the graveyard, to the tombs, and this man comes out and falls down before him. He acknowledges that he is Lord. There's a great story there. We'll have to look at it someday. But in that story, we learn something very important, that Jesus Christ has power over the spiritual world. There is nothing that's not under the control of Jesus Christ. He's God in the human flesh, if you're wondering. That's who he was. But he drives out the demons, casts them into a herd of pigs, and the man begs to follow Jesus. You know what Jesus does? He sends him out as the first missionary. He goes back to the Decapolis. That was a group of cities in that area. And Jesus tells him, tell them about what I've done in your life. So this man comes back to the Decapolis, to those different cities, and you know what he says? Come and see what this man named Jesus has done in my life. And it says that the people were amazed at what Jesus Christ has done. Can I say something to you this morning? When people look at our lives, they are to be amazed at what Jesus has done in every one of our hearts and lives. Shouldn't they be? If we're true followers of Jesus Christ, if we're living out the truths, the principles, and the commands of God's Word, shouldn't people be drawn to that? Shouldn't they be amazed at what Christ has done to change us into the person we are today? The simple truth of this story is this. True friends invite friends to come to Jesus. When we truly love someone, we will want them to experience what we've experienced when we found Jesus Christ. When was the last time you invited someone 
to come and see. When was the last time you said, I want you to come and see this man who has radically changed my life? Well, let me ask this. Shouldn't we? Shouldn't we? Well, let's go to the last character in this story. The last character in this story is a man named Nathaniel. We've already been introduced to him. He is the friend of Philip. Philip has just announced to Nathaniel that they have found the one written about in the law and spoken about by the prophets, and he invites Nathaniel to come and see. Now, this is an amazing part of this story. I love what takes place here at this point. As Nathaniel approaches Jesus Christ, Jesus makes this bold prediction about him. He says, here is a true Israelite in whom there is no deceit. What's amazing is, is Nathaniel is shocked by the words of Jesus Christ. And the reason he's shocked is he's never met Jesus Christ before this day in his life. And he asked Jesus Christ, how do you know me? And Jesus looks directly at Nathaniel and he says, Before Philip called you, I saw you under the fig tree. Jesus looked into Nathanael's life. He looked into his heart and he saw who Nathanael was. He knew him. Have you ever noticed Jesus never misses anything in our lives? Have you ever noticed that? No matter what it is we try to hide from him, no matter what we try to cover up, Jesus Christ sees every single thing in our lives. He sees all the good we do. He sees all the bad we do. He sees all our motives of our heart. He sees our attitude. He sees our character flaws. He sees our shortcomings. He sees it all. He never misses anything. Now, I don't know about you, that's a little bit scary, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I wonder what would happen in my own life if I just gave a little more thought to the fact that Jesus Christ never missed anything. Never missed anything. I want you to listen to what was recorded here as we finish out this text. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, look, is what that word means, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, you are the King of Israel. Do you understand what he has just done here? This is the very first proclamation of who Jesus Christ is in Scripture. You are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. You are the long-awaited Messiah. You are the one that was talked about by the prophets in the Old Testament, written about by, in the law by Moses. You are the one, is what, Jesus, I mean, is what Philip is saying about Jesus. I mean, Nathaniel is saying about Jesus Christ. You're the one. The King of Israel. 
Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, you are the King of Israel. Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, you, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, that's like amen, am. It's going to happen no matter what, is what Jesus is saying. You will see heaven open and the angels of God descending and ascending on the Son of Man. He said, You're going to get an opportunity to see that. You're going to behold the Son of Man glorified. You will see the angels coming from heaven, descending and ascending back up into heaven on the Son of Man. You will see it. You'll see it. Now here's the simple truth that we learn from this part of the story. Listen carefully. Jesus knows you and He still loves you. Listen to it again. Jesus knows you And He still loves you. He sees everything. He sees our shortcomings, all our mess-ups, all our failures, all our character flaws. And in spite of all of that that He knows about us, He still loves us. Isn't that an amazing truth? I don't know about you, that just absolutely blows my mind. That He knows all of that about me, and He still loves loves me. That is the great truth of God's Word. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. But God demonstrated His love for us in this way. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. Hallelujah! Isn't that so great? Now here it is. Here is the practical application for your life and my life because God knows you and loves you. He knows what's best for your life and my life. Do we really believe that this morning? Do we really believe that God knows best for my life and your life above any choice or decision I could ever make? God knows better for me than I know for myself. Do we really believe that? you want to know if you really believe that, just examine your life this morning. The actions of your life, the, the character of your life speaks to the truth or to the answer to that question. If you really believe that truth, then Jesus Christ will be Lord of all in your life. Every, every area of your life will be surrendered to Him if you truly believe that this morning. He'll be Lord of your marriage. He'll be Lord of your family. He'll be Lord of your profession. He'll be Lord of your time. He will be Lord of everything. So like I said to the group this morning in our early worship service, sometimes we misunderstand who Jesus Christ should be in our lives. We think of it as like a top ten, and Jesus Christ is the number one priority of our life, and then we list everything out. And that is not true. Jesus is the center of our life, and everything in life should center around Him. Our family should center around Him. Our job should center around Him. Our homes should center around Him. Our money should center. Everything should center around Jesus Christ. Isn't that true? Isn't it true? Yes. It's so very true. Some of you this morning may be saying, well, what is the key to be Jesus being Lord of my life? One verse. Here it is. 1 Corinthians 6, chapter and the 20th verse. Your life is not your own. You were bought with a price. 
Let me say it one more time. Your life is not your own. You were bought with a price. Your desires, your want, everything, none of it matters. When you came into a relationship with Jesus Christ, you were bought and paid for with the price. Your life is not your own. You belong to Jesus now. You belong to Jesus. So now it's all about, Jesus, what do you want me to do? That ought to be the question that we ask ourselves all the time. Jesus, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go to school? Who do you want me to marry? What do you want me to do at school today? How do you want me to live my life? Where do you want me to work? Jesus, I want to know you are Lord of my life. Everything should center in our life on Jesus Christ. Isn't that true? Yeah. That is the great challenge for our life. Because God knows you and loves you. He knows what is best for your life. As I conclude this morning, I want you to notice something about these two men. They had different personalities and they had different gifts. They even had different temperaments. Each one of them were very unique. However, this is what I really want you to see. In spite of their differences, they shared something in common as well. This is it. Don't miss it. Each of them met Jesus. And as a result, their lives were radically changed. Their lives were marked by a reckless abandonment to Jesus Christ. And the question we must ask ourselves today is this. Is that true of my life? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word and the way your word speaks to our hearts this morning. Father, as we prepare to enter into this time of invitation, I pray that you would just continue to have your way in our hearts and our lives. Father, I don't know where everyone is in their relationship with you, but you know them. You know whether they truly belong to you or not, Lord. If there's anyone here today who does not know, to you, know you, I pray today would be the day that they hear your voice call to them, follow me, and that they would come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Perhaps they're here this morning, they need to become a part of this body of believers. I pray that you would just work in their heart and in their life in your perfect way. Maybe it's a lordship issue. Maybe somehow or another along the way, their life has gotten off track with you. And they need to recenter themselves upon you, Lord. And allow you once again to be the center of their life. You have your way during this invitation, Lord. You be honored. You be glorified. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.